Greg Kelly Show. Yes, yes. Oh, good. Oh, good. Uh, if you don't mind, um, none of the people are talking about faith in Christ and uh, and uh, the the real issues that count. You ever see those guys standing on the corner? Sometimes they're wearing white shirts, and sometimes they're Mormons, sometimes they're Jewish, sometimes they're Christian. Here's a guy who can, conf- I, I wouldn't say he confronts, because you're allowed to go out and just speak your faith. That's fundamental free speech. But uh, this woman has, it's, uh, she loses her mind. She says she lives not in a neighborhood, but a gayberhood. It's gay, G-A-Y-B-O-R, hood, gayberhood. Because it's a gay neighborhood, a gayberhood, and there's no room for Jesus in the gayberhood, she says. Uh, it's pretty funny. Cut 25. This is the gayberhood, and you are not welcome. That's why I need to be here. You ah! need Jesus, ma'am. He can save you. He can give you a new heart. God can give you a new heart so that you love what God loves. No, that's irrational. It reminds me of an episode of The Office where Michael is having a little, um, I guess he's having a little uh, seminar with the employees. Remember how he was always trying to do stuff that wasn't his job? And he was trying to have an awareness uh, seminar, you know, like how HR comes in and they talk about racial sensitivity. Well, Michael thought he could run the whole thing. And uh, somebody comes in and says, uh, hey, are we all going to sit Indian style and do the kumbaya thing? And Michael <laughs> says, no, that's racist what you just said and wrong. This is a place of love and welcoming. And you should just get the hell out of here. <laughs> a place of love and welcoming. Because the gayberhood, I mean, it's, a new t- it's kind of like a, a form of fascism, right? You have to be like us or you can't be here. I don't think that's right, no matter what the us is. You must conform to our way of life, or you cannot even approach. That's not, uh, that's not very open-minded. That's, the, that's, that's actually bigoted. And it's that first part she says that I like, the, before the screaming, before any of it, the very first part. Go ahead. This is the gayberhood, and you are not welcome. Stop. <laughs> this is the gayberhood. And you are not welcome. Um, is that true? How do, do gay people feel that way about straight people? I don't think so. But there might be more friction than we're, we're willing to recognize. Maybe. On occasion. I don't have lots of gay friends, but I have some gay friends. And um, I don't No, There's no friction. Although, I will tell you this. The gay people often stick up for other gay people. In a way that straight people do not stick up for other straight people. It's like a little bit of a club, a fraternity, if you will, or a sorority, depending, right? Actually, it's more of a, even the, never mind, I shouldn't be. Let's talk about Liz Cheney instead, right? Uh, her, her, uh, her sexuality is of no interest to me, although her presence on the national stage baffles me because she just lost re-election, beaten in a primary by about 80%. She lost by 80 points to uh, Hegeman, the new congresswoman from Wyoming. But they still act like she's important. And you know what? In a weird way, she is. 
because she is speaking for the deep state. She is a trusted and valued member. Can you imagine anybody else losing a congressional primary by 60 points? I mean, are we going to hear, are are they going to invite Miss Pillip who lost to uh, Tom Swazi? Is she going to be on the TV anytime soon? Listen to this cut 22. There is a right way and a wrong way to behave in Washington, D.C. And Liz knows the right way. Cut 22. It's been made clear to Speaker Johnson that if he does that, he brings up this bill and just allows it to be voted on, even if he votes against it. If he just introduces the bill that, as you know, already passed the Senate, uh, there will be repercussions for his speakership. The members of the House Freedom Caucus uh, may offer a motion to vacate and remove him from his speakership. That is the threat facing him. That's right. And, and what I would say to that is, it, you know, he ought to understand that it is worth it if he has to lose his speakership in order to make sure that freedom survives, in order to make sure that the United States of America continues to play its, its leadership role in the world. He ought to read what's happening in Ukraine today. He ought to read about the slaughter that's going on. Uh, and he ought to understand that we are at a turning point in the history, not just of this nation, but of the world. Uh, and, and again, he's going to have to explain to future generations, to his kids, to his grandkids, whether or not he did what was right, whether or not he, he was a force for good and aided the cause of freedom, or whether he continued down this path of cowardice and doing what Donald Trump and, and Vladimir Putin want him to do. Um, Americans can have doubts and concerns about the wisdom of supplying all of this money to a country that is not part of NATO. They're not. And okay, by the way, it's all right to question our NATO alliance. Do we need it? What's it there for? Are people paying enough money? You know, some guy, this is, uh, I hear this a lot, the, our institutions. Donald Trump is undermining our institutions. What institutions is he undermining? Because you could look it up in the Constitution. It doesn't say anything about NATO. It is a treaty, and we are allowed to leave it, potentially, if the country so desires. The country, the people, the people. Imagine that, right? Here's another, gosh, these rhinos are really losing their minds in the uh, in the last days of the Nikki Haley campaign. This is the chair of the Wisconsin Republican Party. And how do you get attention if you're from Wisconsin and you're a Republican? Um, come out against Trump. Otherwise, the fake news doesn't want to hear from you. Uh, but if you come out against Trump, Anderson Cooper... And can they stop running those silly documentaries about Gloria Vanderbilt and Anderson Cooper and the New York Times writing about him and his he found some box with his mother's letters in them? Nobody, nobody care. I mean, yes, three socialites on the Upper East Side care, but nobody else does. It's amazing how they are just it's a mass medium still. And they don't they don't see it that way. They see themselves as a as a niche elitist little spot for very beautiful people. Uh, but they're not that beautiful. By the way, Anderson looks like he needs to eat a steak. Something's going on with him. All right, let me hear that, please. 60 Minutes. The former former president is known to watch 60 Minutes. If he's watching, what would you want to say to him? I would say that this country needs to move forward, that we need a leader who is tackles serious problems and serious issues that this country faces, and... We need faith in our institutions again. And the next president of the United States needs to do that. And in your opinion, that's not him. It is not him. Correct. You know, for one moment there, we need faith. 
We need faith in our institutions. Like what, the FBI? These are man-made, and these are governed by men. And men screw up, and men are susceptible to corruption. All right? The, The institutions. What about the Constitution? That's the institution. This reverence for anything deep state, anything governmental. No, we have a reverence for God. We have an appreciation for government and we have a skeptical and we want to change it if it doesn't meet our needs, if it doesn't serve our purposes. And that's okay. Isn't it, Gail? Hello. Afternoon, Greg. I was listening to you with Nikki Haley. I think she's pointing her arrows at the wrong candidate's knees because um, Trump didn't mention Putin. I think uh, she should think about when the world watched when Putin was lining up the uh, tanks in December of 2021 and uh, Biden called it a minor incursion. Maybe we wouldn't be here today if they would have acted then. Nobody ever talks about that. In February of 2022, uh, with Putin doing all that stuff over there, we we acted like we were just bystanders. Bystanders. We were just like it was up to Putin. We didn't we didn't try to threaten him. We didn't try to warn him. We were like maybe he doesn't. Maybe you know he's got to do something. Joe, he's got to do something. Biden, remember that he 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 just rolled over. It was something else. Thank you, uh, Gail, very much. Yeah, very 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 peculiar. Hey, I was in the I was in a. Uh, I don't want to call it a deli. What the hell was it? It was like a, gosh, what do you call those stores now? No, not a bodega. I guess it was more of a deli, but it had a lot of other stuff. What do you call them? Seven day stores. It was like a Seven Eleven, but it wasn't a Seven Eleven. It was like a privately run Seven Eleven type business. Anyway, you know what they had? The Reggie Bar. The Reggie Bar is back. That little candy bar made famous by Reggie Jackson. I mean, it was Reggie Jackson. It was in his heyday after the three home runs. You could get Reggie. Anything and everything, including a candy bar, which made a lot of sense. You know, we had Baby Ruth and uh, O. Henry, and why not a Reggie bar? And it was fantastic. It was uh, chocolate and caramel and nougat and nuts, which is basically, I guess, like any candy bar ever invented, right? I mean, they're all they're all basically knockoffs of the Snickers bar, but it was in beautiful orange packaging, and um, you know, it looked like it wasn't like from the nostalgia bin. This was made. This is this is fresh. It's back. But what the hell happened to Reggie? Nate in the Bronx. Hello. Yeah, I wanted to point out uh, Mayorkas, uh, Alejandro Mayorkas. Uh, in addition to being Hispanic, he's also uh, Jewish. I don't know if you know that. Um, I do know that because the- he cried uh, in a way that well, I don't want to characterize how. But all of a sudden. They started talking about their grandparents and what they went through in the old country and the Holocaust. And it, it, it just, look, if they got stories to tell, that's great. But the way they were right. telling him, it was actually, they were, it was like political defense. You can't question me because my great-grandfather died in the Holocaust. And there was something uh, strategic. It wasn't coming from the heart. It was something odd about it. And he started to cry. And Merrick Garland started to cry when they told these stories. Uh, my wife's uh, great grandparents died in the Holocaust, by the way. Anyway, what else? Okay, so basically, he, as I pointed out earlier, he did sit on the board of the Hebrew Immigrant Aid Society, 
and it's one of these various NGOs that advocate for open yeah, borders. Yeah. What's the name of it again? Hebrew Immigrant Aid Society. It sounds so, uh, what could be wrong with the Hebrew Immigrant Aid Society? I mean, it sounds so righteous. So here, here's the thing. You know, now, just as black Americans tend to vote Democrat, Jewish Americans in the United States also tend to overwhelmingly vote Democrat. And major Jewish organizations are... Hebrew what? What's this thing called again? The Hebrew what? Hebrew Immigrant Aid Society, or H-I-A-S. Now, many of these Jewish organizations, the major ones, American Jewish Congress, American Jewish Committee... Hey, Nate, are you Jewish? Am I? No, 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 not at all. All right, well, go Uh, easy on the Jews, all right? Just go easy. What's your bottom line here? The bottom line is that they're advocating a policy that's damaging the country, but they don't realize that they're on the same ship that they're drilling holes into. Yeah, no, I, oh, well, look, all right, thank you, thank you, Nate. Uh, look, my wife has said this many times, and she's Jewish. She never met liberal Jews until she came to America. Uh, she always found, and, and she's got all these friends on Facebook who are saying all these things about, you know, uh, the poor people in Gaza and Israel needs to cool it with the response, and it's over the top. They're quoting, they're quoting Joe Biden. I mean, over the top, are you crazy? Over the top response? How, what, what could be what could be over over the top? Nothing should be off the table when it comes to eradicating Hamas. Nothing. Be right back. Greg Kelly. Is the Greg Kelly Show. A Fox News event. Two town halls. Two presidential contenders. Tonight, Nikki Haley joins John Roberts. We will restore our national pride. Answering audience questions on the issues that matter. Then, Tuesday, Donald Trump sits down with Laura Ingram. We're going to turn our country around. Nothing is off the table. Two Fox News town halls. Democracy 24, your freedom, your vote. Oh, my God. Wow. Fox News not fooling around. I saw the Nikki Haley town hall last night. It stunk. She was unbelievably uh, fourth grade teacherish, talking to us like we're a bunch of fourth graders. Uh, so disrespectful to Donald Trump and lying, lying to our faces. She actually said Donald Trump never talks about the border, never talks about national security. All he talks about are the court cases. That is not true. I guess she's not sitting around watching uh, Trump rallies. She's also acting like she's some sort of a rock star. You know, I know you get a campaign bus, but her campaign bus is like obnoxious. I've never seen anything so ostentatious. It really is an ostentatious bus. Big Nikki Haley on the side. Uh, I don't like it. I don't like her. But notice what they said there. You probably didn't notice it. Fox News. Democracy 24. Democracy. Like. It's, that that just shows you how left Fox is actually going, right? You know when they say Donald Trump is a threat to democracy? I never heard all that much about democracy, pure democracy. Pure democracy is not what we have, nor is it what we want. And Barbara made it uh, made that great point. What is democracy? Democracy is uh, <laughs> three wolves and a lamb voting on what they want for dinner. How's that going to turn out for the lamb, Right. You know, the the tyranny of the majority is something that we must protect against. 
And that's why we have our beautiful constitutional republic and we have inalienable rights. Inalienable? Yeah, inalienable rights that they, the government can't take away. But when they just emphasize democracy, 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 that's what the left does. That's what CNN does. Remember, democracy, they kind of, it became a, a buzzword for them in the wake of January 6th. And make no mistake, that is a subtle dig at Trump. Now, they don't think about it. Well, maybe they do, but they don't think about it at my level here, right? How could anybody come out against democracy? I love democracy, the component, but a democracy is a component of our constitutional republic, and the Constitution supersedes, supersedes, seeds democracy. Hey, and speaking of uh, people voting and making dumb decisions, demo- the Democrat, the Republican Committee on Long Island that came up with uh, what looks like to be another um, potential loser is the Joe Cairo and the Republicans on Long Island. It looks like they're going to nominate. They want uh, a retired police detective by the name of Scarebone. Is that his name? Scraybone? Never heard of the guy. Nobody knows who he is. The election is in November. The election is in November. This is the candidate they want to run against Gillibrand. I'm sure he's a nice guy. Uh, Is he ready for something like this? You know, we've had... (laughs) When's the last time we ran a real Republican for statewide office? George Pataki, 2002, 2006. I mean, really, we used to be competitive. This guy on paper does not look competitive to me. And it looks like Joe Cairo is giving the old Heisman to Cara Castronova, who could be a real game changer and I think could take out Kirsten Gillibrand. listening to the Greg Kelly show. Hey, whatever happened to Ann Coulter? Ann Coulter is uh, a dynamo. I, I she rubbed me the wrong way um for a long time and then I actually met her and I thought this is a this is a very smart woman. Uh she's not afraid to go against the grain. Uh she's just I don't know, very fiercely independent. One of the reasons why you don't see her as much anymore is the big morning shows, the Today Show, uh, Good Morning America, they refuse to have her on because they don't agree with her politics. And occasionally they would try to debate her, and Ann Coulter would just demolish them, right? Demolish them. You got this thing? Ready? What's wrong? Oh, okay. Um, Ann Coulter was just so so good, so spot on. And uh, so they didn't like it. I remember, who was that who really lost to her bad? It was... Um, uh, no, not Katie Couric, one of them in the morning. Anyway, uh, so she is on Bill Maher. And I have not been following the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl party shootout as much as probably I should. It's kind of uh, vanished from the news, right? That was a big freaking deal. All those bullets flying at a, at a Super Bowl party. What happened? Who did it? I heard that there were some arrests, but I didn't hear. I haven't heard a thing since. Where are the suspects? What's going on here? And like so much else, well, you know, there's certain things you you can and cannot say in America today. 
Here's Ann Coulter uh, on Bill Maher. I mean, we don't know who did this shooting, by the way, the, the, the Super Bowl shooting. We have some idea. What? If it were a white man shooting, we'd know. Well, we don't know. But they, I mean, they That's how we know it's not a white man, I can tell you that much. Do you think they're, they're repressing that reporting? They wouldn't tell us about the um, transgender woman that shot up the Christian school for, what, like a year? Um, oh, San Bernardino out here. Remember the crazy terrorist Muslims? I, that's when I first noticed, hmm, they're not telling us who it is. I, it's not a white male. The longer they go without telling you, it's not a white male. Okay, <laughs> well, we don't, we, for this one, for right now, as of Friday night, February 16th, we, know. we, don't, we don't officially know. <laughs> Okay, you know you have special powers. Um, but, I mean, yeah, um, actually, we did know by Friday night. We did know. We did know. And it's funny that, um, and she's right, there are certain things that get publicity and certain things that don't. And it's true. And even the audience, they're known to boo and go crazy all the time on Bill Maher. They kind of get it, too, that certain narratives are permissible. And I hate the word narrative. When did everybody start saying narrative? When did journalists start getting all consumed with narrative? A narrative is a fancy word for a story, right? And I used to hate it. I used to. Most reporters will tell you, although I don't think they really mean it. They went into broadcasting or uh, newspapers because they love telling stories. Gather around me. I'll tell you a story. Well, life isn't that neat and simple. You know, uh, in Hollywood, in fiction, you know, you can design a story, right? That has a protagonist and an antagonist and a plot line and an arc. And then everybody learns a lesson in the end, right? Life isn't like that. Life is messy. It's all over the place. And narratives really, the word narrative shouldn't apply. Story shouldn't apply. And as Homer Simpson was said, uh, just a bunch of stuff happens. It's it's kind of fascinating how race is left out of the equation. Now I hear, okay, so we happen to know that the suspect in custody happens to be black. There are two of them. I believe they're juveniles, right? And and someone said, well, these thugs need to go to jail for a long time. So the mayor comes out, the mayor of Kansas City, and says, well, that's a racist dog whistle. Excuse me. Thug? The thug? Has anybody, we have any cops listening in New York City? You ever go to the range, the police range? I don't know if this is the same target, but back in the day, uh, they had the classic target of a man, kind of looked like Ernest Borgnine, and he's holding a gun. This is on on a piece of paper. This was the target that cops shot at for about 50 years at least, and the nickname for the poster for the target you're shooting at a guy who was holding a gun pointing at you was the thug and he was wearing a sweatshirt and pants and he had all greased up hair he looked like ernest borgnine no doubt whatsoever that this was a white male in the thug picture that's why the the word thug has absolutely no racial connotation whatsoever it had no racial connotation when When Barack Obama was complaining about the thugs who were taking over Baltimore in the aftermath of Freddie Gray. Anybody remember Freddie Gray? That's his boy. Talk about ancient history. And that uh, and that brave mother who was caught on camera, kind of like, you know, giving a good smacking to her son who was about to get himself killed in that riot. 
What a great woman. Barbara, hello. Hi, Hi, Greg. Um, As you're going through the various elements of our liberties that are being taken away, I have a quote here from General Washington. He addressed his troops before the Battle of Long Island, which was the battle to defend New York City. And his troops were so untried and so unprepared, he was very worried about the outcome. What he said to the troops is basically what Donald Trump is saying to us with his rallies and so forth. Washington said the time is now near at hand, which must probably determine whether Americans are to be free men or slaves whether they are to have any property they can call their own, whether their homes and farms are to be pillaged and destroyed. The fate of unborn millions will now depend under God on the conduct and courage of this army. We have therefore to resolve to conquer or die. And it would be easy to paraphrase the warnings he had with what is happening to us now, with the denial of a a fair legal system, with the denial of the right to attend church and worship, with the denial of the right to protest peaceably, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Will our grandchildren have such a fate that they will not be able to live where they choose, that they will not be able to have the career that they merit? through their hard work, that they will not be able to own the car that they want, the light bulbs that they want, that they will not have anything like the freedom that our grandparents grew up in. Washington and Trump, to me, are very parallel in the crisis that is facing the citizenry now, and Trump is relying on the citizens. He cannot do this all himself. He's relying on the American citizens, just like Washington had to rely on his army, untested, untrained, though they may be. They lost the battle that night, but they saved the army and they saved the revolution by that that fog that came in overnight and let a Washington ferry his troops across to get them out from Brooklyn Heights across the East River into New York City so that when the British came in the morning to finish off the American army, they were gone. And Washington and his generals all thought that it was providence that sent this unusual blinding fog to allow Washington to get the last couple thousand of his men across the river. Yeah. And by the way, in that crossing, they lost not a single man or a single boat. Well, I mean, the East River is not that big. It's not like the Delaware, right? Hey, hey, they were they were in very bad weather conditions. Ah, a little had- bit of fog. What month was this okay. in? Okay. What month? What August. month? What month? What month? It was August. You see, it was hot it out. Was it was August. fine. It was fine. Look, no, those guys are heroes, total heroes. The thing that totally befuddles me about Revolutionary War, the Civil War, how do these guys find each other to have the fight to begin with? You know what I mean? How do you find each other? How do you find the – just war – Prior to World War II, I mean, my goodness, like you just had nothing, nothing, no, no intelligence, no visuals, no, I just, man, and imagine during the Revolutionary War, just being outdoors, you know, how hot it must have been, then how cold it must be. What the hell did they eat? What did they eat? 
How did they eat? Dried fruit? I mean, what did they do? I, I would love to know more about that. And we were blessed, of course, George Washington and the fog. I think you're right there, Barbara. Beautiful story indeed. Thank you. Keep in touch as usual. Um, we were very, very lucky. I was out on Long Island uh, this weekend, and I there was a big battle out there, a huge battle. Um, and now we have malls. <laughs> now we have very little that commemorates it, it seems. You see those plaques up every now and then. George Washington seems to have slept everywhere, but I don't know if that's uh, that's true. Yeah, you don't think about, you know, you think about the South and the Revolutionary War, really, more than Brooklyn. You know, I hate to say it, but Fox News, as weak and weird and woke as they become, have a great little documentary narrated by mm, Kelsey Grammer about the Revolutionary War and specifically the the battle for Brooklyn. And... um I got to watch it again. I just couldn't get beyond that, that it was, must have been so uncomfortable. And the uniforms they wore, so uncomfortable. Uh, anyway, it's a great time to be alive, right? We're lucky we're alive now. Be right back. Greg Kelly. This is the Greg Kelly Show. Uh, I love my New York Post, but man, oh man, what trivial weird stuff. And also a little bit harmful. Harmful messages for women and girls. I I don't like saying women and girls. We used to not say that. It was boys and girls and ladies and gentlemen. Uh, harmful messages for ladies and gentlemen. Let's put it at that. A woman flew more than 2,000 miles just for a first date and is already planning a second one. Nicole Christine, 30, flew to Park City, Utah from Charlotte, North Carolina to meet a guy she met on an app. She didn't think he was interested in her, but struck up a conversation and the pair started planning a date. Now, this is wrong for so many reasons. My goodness gracious, you don't fly for a first date across the country. You know why? Because it's totally implied that you're going to hook up. It's like almost understood. What, you're going to fly all the way across the country and get separate rooms? I mean, this is 2024. Right. We know what's going to happen over there. Let's see here. She didn't think he was interested. The man lives in California, so they decided to meet in the middle in Park City, Utah, for a four-night date to go skiing, out for dinner, and shopping, and hooking up. That's fine someday. I mean, Nicole said the date, one week after they matched, went perfectly, and they planned to keep dating. The marketing director from Charlotte, North Carolina, said, the date went perfectly. We had such a great time. It was a low stakes, very transparent date. We didn't want to be too focused on a specific outcome. There will be other trips in the future, and we will continue to see each other casualty, casually. Oh, what a beautiful story this is. An expensive uh, transcontinental hookup. I mean, you don't have to go to Utah for that. Nicole was scrolling down a dating app when she saw that a man she had known for nine years but hadn't spoken to him in years had liked her profile. She dropped him a message and the pair struck up a conversation. Well, at least they kind of knew each other once. I didn't think he liked me at all anymore, but he showed me that he was interested. Let's see what she looks like. Oh, yeah, she's got the bikini on. I can see why he might have been interested. 
The pair plan to meet in the middle and plan a four-night stay in Park City, Utah, starting on January 31st. Nicole said he was having some construction work in his living room and said he would have to leave anyway. I travel anyway, so I'm always happy to hop on a plane. Hop on a plane. So she had friends in the city, so they planned to see them if the date didn't go as planned. We picked a place with great amenities. We enjoyed the hot tub, skiing, and shopping. On a first date, you're jumping in the hot tub? We had some great dinner reservations. I also am working remotely at the time, so he would ski whilst I would work. We both had friends in the city. Salt Lake City, you're calling a city? Uh, Then she headed back to Charlotte four days later. We really enjoyed each other's company. We went out to food, skiing, and enjoyed the hot tub. It went by so quickly. It was like having... This is in the newspaper, by the way. I did not have to revert to any second plans. We felt like we had done exactly what we wanted. Well, that's about that's that's what life's about, right? Getting what you want. That's that's all what it's about. Nicole said the pair agreed to see each other again, but see other people due to the long distance. She said, with long distance, there is not an option to get there quickly. We are going to continue to see each other, but we are going to respect each other and see each other when the time is right. Thank you, New York Post. <laughs> Where's the Hunter Biden laptop stuff? You guys are great, but also kind of weird. Hey, there is a significant threat to America right now, and it's Joe Biden's rhetoric. Joe Biden, to some extent, um, Liz Cheney, Democrats, the way they are carrying on about Donald Trump being a threat to democracy, being a threat to national security, that has me... That is the kind of thing that will keep me up at night. That, people talk about what keeps them up at night. What we're seeing here, they are putting out the justification that they could sign some sort of order, you know, that deems Donald Trump a threat to the homeland, a threat to the Constitution, and they will come up with a plan to justify taking who knows what action against him. And I'm sorry, folks, you're allowed to doubt the efficacy of NATO. You you are. It's America. It's a treaty. These are foreign countries. Can I hear that thing that they are still trying to say Donald Trump is a monster over the NATO thing? Okay, I just sent it to you. And you know, Ukraine's an interesting case. People always want to know my feeling. Number one, we're in for 200 billion plus, and the European nations are in for 20 billion. And it's more important for them. And don't you think they should equalize? Nobody asks them. It's like I did with NATO. I said, we're spending, we're, we're paying for NATO. And we don't get so much out of it. And you know, I hate to tell you this about NATO. If we ever needed their help, let's say we were attacked, I don't believe they'd be there. I don't believe. I know the people. I know them. I can tell you country by country who would be there and who, but I don't believe they'd be there. But I took care of NATO. I said, you got to pay your bills. If you don't pay your bills, we're not going to be there to support you. And the following day, the money came rolling into NATO. But the European nations, if you add them up, the economy is about the same size as the U.S. Believe it or not, a lot of people are surprised. You add them all up. And uh, they are in for about $20 billion, and we're in for $200 billion because we're stupid. All we have to do is say pay. Nobody ever says to them pay. You don't even hear that. I say pay. 
and they'll pay too. You have to equalize. So what's the problem, huh? Is there any problem? Does that sound like a threat to democracy? Of course not. You can say these things in the course of a political campaign. You can say these things in, in, in government. You can wonder. You can postulate. But the way they have reacted to that statement and anything else Donald Trump says, that's the creepy part. It's not Trump. It's their reaction to Trump. That's the threat. That's the real threat to democracy. i got to go in a minute. Gail, hello. Hi. Um, when they were talking about boycotts, I, I don't think they're necessary. Uh, ten of a boycott is to hurt, would be to hurt New York. Well, New York is doing a fabulous job of hurting itself. Um, more residents left last year than any other state. As a former business person, I, I mean, it's scary what they've done. Totally communist, you know, to, to say you can't put a value on your business or your real estate. Um, I find New York City scary, actually. Now I know. Uh, yeah, sure. Okay, you're 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 safely in Pennsylvania. Good for you, Gail. Well, no, we're we're a swamp here as well. Uh, Philadelphia, you know, all these Democrat cities uh, want to shake down the businesses. It's it's very common. So Trump actually is not alone, even though, you know, your governor there says he is he is alone and we are we are he is different. So so to me, that's just as evil to pick out one one business person. Yeah, one person and pick on them. It's crazy. Well, thank you uh, for noticing all this, Gail. Thanks very much. Christine in Connecticut. Hey, Greg, I'm just wondering, son, if those 81 million votes for Biden were legitimate, why would they have to have a witch hunt against Donald Trump? If the 81 million votes for Biden were legitimate, why would they have to have a witch hunt against Donald Trump? Uh, I don't know if I'd put it that way. I mean, I have my doubts about the fairness of the election. Don't get me wrong. And how that basement dweller got 81 million votes. I guess, yeah, I guess it kind of goes with it, right? If they were willing to do that, they'll they'll do this, you know? Cheat, cheat, cheat. All right, Christine, thank you. And Sandra. Hi, Blake. How are you? I hope you're doing well. Um, I just wanted to share something interesting. I, I was swimming today, and the pool was more crowded than usual. Usually when I go, it's empty. But I met a man there, and he told me he was happy there were people in there because he's afraid... He's going to have a heart attack from the vaccination that he took. Oh, well, yeah, I get it. And the people would come to help him. I hope. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. 